You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And it was another wild night in college basketball. Two big upsets. One, uh, the biggest one that everybody will be talking about is Duke losing at NC State by 22, 88-66. And uh, NC State kicked their butt the whole game. Uh, but Auburn losing at Georgia. That's the big one that has meaning for the Locked On Kentucky podcast, obviously. We'll, we'll discuss that. And we'll get into that first. But uh, we'll also talk about you know the, the stuff out there. Mike Stoops, the football scoop report that he is close to joining Kentucky staff. Also, uh, pro football performance. You know, we follow those those guys all season long. They do a lot of research and, and put numbers out there on who's doing well. They had a really interesting ranking of returning SEC linemen. We'll look at that and discuss that as well. And also um, look at uh, the SEC race and uh, discuss a little Kentucky basketball, of course. But uh, let's start with Auburn losing to Georgia. So Auburn's star freshman, Isaac Okoro, goes out with a hamstring injury a couple games ago, three games ago. Uh, He does not play against Missouri, at Missouri, and Auburn loses that game on Saturday. He does not play Wednesday night at Georgia, and Auburn loses at Georgia, 65-55. And so now the Tigers drop to 9-4 in the SEC, and that creates a three-way tie with Auburn, LSU, and Florida for second place and, of course, gives Kentucky a two-game lead at 11-2 and over all three of those schools, which are all now 9-4. and uh, Mississippi State held home court and beat South Carolina, so now both Miss State and South Carolina are 8-5. and After that, it's Tennessee at 7-6, and Texas A&M at 7-6 and because Texas A&M won at Alabama on Wednesday night, and so Alabama's now 6-7. and uh, you forget the rest of them, uh, but once again, the other, Kentucky on top at eleven and two, three tied at nine and four, two tied at eight and five, and two tied at seven and six. The the other than kind of giving Kentucky a further stranglehold on first place, the other real notable thing about that um, South Carolina losing and slipping into a tie with uh, what Mississippi State is that right mm-hmm. um, yep. at eight and five guarantees not guarantees but we're we're closing in on guaranteeing Kentucky the double uh double buy in the SEC tournament which is right. always nice to uh, get one of those top 4 seeds and you don't play Wednesday you don't play Thursday so the first time you're playing is Friday you only need 3 games to win the SEC tournament uh if you get a double buy um because they they're 3 games up on those uh the Two Miss teams State and South tied. Carolina. Yeah, they're yeah. tied for fifth and sixth. Um, so that I, that's not that's not really a small thing either. I think you want to avoid because like nothing nothing good can happen if you have to play on Wednesday or Thursday. No. Um, yeah, those Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the way to go. Yeah, yeah, those wins aren't any good to you. It's you're not going to win four games in four days most of the time. So. 
Yeah, but if you win three games in three days, usually, like you said, those those wins will mean something because they could come against Auburn or LSU or Florida and could give you another little boost in your in your ranking. Which uh, the net rankings through um, Saturday or through I mean um, Tuesday's games, Kentucky is now up to twenty second, still the highest rated ranked uh, Southeastern Conference team in the net. Uh, they were at 24, uh, so now after winning at LSU, up to 22, still behind BYU, Oregon, Texas Tech, Ohio State, which they lost to, Michigan State, which they beat, and Michigan State is still 14th in the net. Um, and then now at Ken Palm, which updates uh, pretty regularly, I think it says uh, data includes forty of forty nine game, forty one of forty nine games through Wednesday night, and Kentucky has moved up from thirtieth to twenty eighth, still behind fourteen and thirteen Purdue. Uh, one little funny note on this is you know Indiana uh, played at Minnesota Wednesday night. Indiana beat Minnesota. Uh, Indiana is 39th in Ken Palm with a 17-9 overall record. Minnesota is 33rd in Ken Palm, so six spots ahead of the team that just beat them on their home court, and Minnesota is now 12-13. and 13. So that's yeah. just stupid. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> one thing I was going to note about uh, the SEC tournament, if you end up, say, Kentucky wins the, the regular season, they're the one seed they would play the 8-9 winner on Friday. And that could be, you know, looking at where the standings are right now and just forecasting a little bit, like that could be the winner of Alabama-Arkansas. So those are two top 50-ish teams, you know. Uh, would if be, Arkansas gets going. I mean, yeah, Arkansas yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, down that, a little those, bit that could end up being, you know, a, like a decent opening win. And then from there um, – if you win as the one seed against the eight nine, you play the five four winner, uh, essentially in theory. And so that would be, if you're looking at it right now, that would be a chance uh, to avenge you know, uh, South Carolina. Either avenge the South Carolina loss, or you play Mississippi State. Um, uh, you know, maybe Mississippi State, which is a you know, I think they're trending towards making the NCAA tournament right now. Um, or Auburn or, you know, one of those teams. So, um, mm-hmm. and then obviously if you, whoever you play in the title game is probably going to be, um, you know, one of the top two or three teams in the league. So there, we've been talking about Kentucky's resume going forward kind of based on the regular season, but there still is a chance to get, you know, three decent and two, you know, good to very good wins in the tournament, the SEC tournament as well going into Sunday. Yeah, Florida is now 35th. Um, so, uh, that home game against Florida on Saturday won't count as a quad one win, uh, should Kentucky win that game. Uh, I'd imagine they got to hope that they don't end up playing Florida three times. If they got Florida in the SEC tournament, they're playing, it's so backloaded. They would play, if they played in the SEC tournament, they'd play Florida twice in the span of like two and a half weeks. Yeah. Oh, sorry, three times in the span of two and a half weeks. That would be not not ideal. No, no, you don't want to do that. Um, as for uh, Duke, we'll talk about them uh, on the other side as well as talk about Mike Stoops to Kentucky possibility and UK football offensive line, some really promising 
uh, stuff put out about them when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And so Duke loses at NC State, 88-66. Duke trailed by like 23 points with about 15 minutes to go and then got it down to 11 uh, with right around maybe like 10 minutes to go. And I thought, well, here they come. Duke's going to do it. No, Duke still winds up losing by 22. NC State able to hold them off. Uh, so Duke was number six in the country, still, I mean, ranked number six in the country. Uh, and you look at their resume and what they've done. Uh, they're six and one in, in quad one. Uh, they beat Kansas on the, you know, opening game of the season in November, on November 5th. They lost at home to Louisville. Uh, they beat Florida State at home. They won at Michigan State, which still counts so much because Michigan State is so, so, so high up there still in the metrics. Uh, they beat Georgetown on a neutral court. They won at Syracuse. Syracuse may be going the other way, and that, that might not count for them anymore. Syracuse got uh, routed by Louisville, which ends its two-game losing streak, beating uh, Syracuse 90-66 to in the Yum Center. Louisville's now 22-5, and 13-3 in the ACC. Got a win over Virginia Tech, which is number 75 right now in the net, so they're right there on the line. Uh, but... You know, Duke's resume is not, like, so much more impressive than, say, Kentucky's, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, like, top 25-ish in the computers wins, you know, they have Kansas, they have Michigan State, they have Florida, Florida State. State. That's it. Right. That's three. Mm-hmm. And they've lost at home to a sub-100 team, Stephen F. Austin. They lost to Clemson, which is like one game over 500. Yeah, 13-12 and 12 yeah. Clemson. Not great. Um, you know, lost to NC State, which was a reeling. I mean, NC State that beat them tonight, beat them bad, was 7-7 seven and seven in the ACC before this. Um, so, yeah, I mean – it is really weird to me. The one thing is they've blown a bunch of teams out. I think they have five wins by 30-plus points. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that the computers like that margin. Right. Um, but let's see. By comparison, if we just say top 25 wins, computer wins, uh, they have Kentucky has Michigan State, Louisville, Texas Tech. So they have three. three. Mm-hmm. Is it three? LSU's three? right there on the border. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I'll be, you mentioned this when we were talking, I think before we came on, um, about, was it Joe Lenardi and somebody that was mm-hmm. Joe Lenardi and, uh, Sean Farnham during the halftime show of that Duke, North Carolina state game, they, you know, went into bracketology and they started talking about, um, Kentucky and how the metrics don't like Kentucky, but Farnham was kind of like, Hey, but how does that reconcile with what our eyes sees? Because uh, what I'm seeing out of Kentucky is they're playing really good basketball right now. And Joe Lenardi said, yes, you're correct. They are playing as well as anyone in the country at this moment. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they, they just are. I mean, you can quibble with sort of the, the method of, that they've gotten there. But they've won five in a row, which, by the way, I think it's, you know, if they can win this next game um, – if they can win Saturday against Florida, yeah. um, that'd be six straight. 
And that's not an insignificant thing because if the goal is to win a national title, you got to win six straight. Yes. And Kentucky had won, you know, not counting, they did win six straight against terrible teams, like all in the 200s in the non-conference. Yeah. But once they got into the real schedule, they had won four in a row, then lost, then four in a row, then lost, and then they were on another four-game streak before they won Saturday at LSU. So now they're on five. If they beat Florida, that's six. Um I do think it's important for national title contenders to at least prove that they can win six games in a row. <laughs> right. Well, I had a, a high school coach tell me that one time. I had asked him about their win streak. They had won something like 10, 12 in a row. And I said, you know, how important is it to string some games together? And he's like, it's hugely important. If you're going to win uh, the state championship, you've got to win the region, which is uh, usually three games uh, that you have to win. And then when you get to Rupp Arena – uh, you have to win four games, so you're looking at a six to seven game win streak if you want to win the whole thing. Yeah, and it, he said, "I do look for that every season for us to put together at least six to eight, you know, wins in a row, so that we can show ourselves that we can do it." And, and then, if you, you know, really too, if you look at what these six wins would be, it's not unlike, you know, there's not a top top tier team in there. It's the only sort of problematic comparison, but it's not totally. Uh, crazy to look at it like an NCAA tournament field. I mean, Vanderbilt would be your, you know, your two versus 15 game. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, Tennessee's pretty good. Ole Miss is okay. Um, Mississippi State is, is, I would think, an NCAA tournament team right now. Uh, LSU certainly is. Florida is now trending that way. So, you know, that looks like, what, one, two, th- probably three actual NCAA tournament teams in that six-game stretch. Yeah. Um, so... Well, and you look at somebody like Auburn. I mean, yeah, yeah they lost two in a row, but uh, you know, without Isaac Okoro, obviously he's a bigger deal than maybe we thought or even Bruce Burrow might have thought. Um, but you know, Auburn uh, was fifteen and zero before back-to-back road losses at Alabama and at Florida, and then won seven in a row before dropping these last two to Missouri and Georgia, both on the road again. And that was a good stretch. That was South Carolina. That was Iowa State. It was at Ole Miss. It was Kentucky. It was at Arkansas. It was LSU, and it was Alabama. I mean, those are – that's one of those things that I look at and say – you know, get your guy back healthy, and you know you you have shown the toughness it takes to you know. And the, and the crazy thing about Auburn, we talked about uh, Kentucky and LSU being like sort of the the close game artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, before this this two game losing streak, Auburn had uh, you know kind of squeaked past Kentucky in the end, and then other than that, in in a stretch of four game five games, they had four overtime wins. Yeah. One double overtime win. They won by one point in double overtime at Ole Miss. They won by three points in overtime at Arkansas. One point in overtime against LSU. And four points in overtime against uh, Alabama. That's yeah, crazy. They, I mean, like, you never see unbeaten, anything like right? that. That's pretty crazy. What'd you say? Yeah, they're undefeated in overtime. And right? they had another one earlier in the season. They're 5-0 and in overtime. Yeah. Um, so. That's impressive. So Auburn has coming up. They have Saturday. They're at home against Tennessee. And then they're at home against Ole Miss before coming to Rupp Arena a week from this coming Saturday. You know, right. as for Florida, and or go ahead. I was going to say I would I would guess that uh, Okoro will be mm-hmm. fresh as a daisy by by the time they come to Rupp Arena. It t- tends to work out that way. Oh yeah, um, he'll be back probably. 
uh, and they'll be full strength, and and that'll that'll be a battle because I, I think Kentucky. I mean, what kind of run would Kentucky be on right now if they had not let that Auburn game slip away? I mean, they right. they, they I think they feel like they kind of lost one, uh, gave one back um, down in Auburn. They'll be motivated. I think Auburn will be motivated because they've kind of blown it against two bad teams. I mean, Missouri and Georgia, yeah, two you know sub one hundred. Uh, teams and both on the road, both without Okoro, but those are bad ones because you've basically let, you know, maybe let the SEC title slip away. Um, oh, you look at uh, now Florida coming into Rupp Arena. They've won uh, five of their last six. It started with a win um, at Vanderbilt by six points. So that was close. And I mean, in Kentucky, we've seen Kentucky play Vanderbilt, a close game. They lost at home to Mississippi State right before that January 28th. Uh, then they they beat Georgia by six. They lost at Ole Miss by 17. That one made you scratch your head. But then they turned around and went to Texas A&M and won by 17. Uh, they were back home and beat Vanderbilt by uh, almost 18. They beat him by 18, but that was Billy Donovan Day. They weren't going to lose that game. It just worked out perfectly. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, Scott Strickland looked at the schedule and went, Vanderbilt, that's the game yeah. where we're retiring the, or naming the court after Billy Donovan. And then, uh, you know, Arkansas has fallen apart since they lost Isaiah Joe to injury. They were, you know, Eric Musselman went through that big, long explanation of how he puts together a team and that he's not really worried about depth uh, in college basketball because it's not the NBA. You don't play these rotations that he just wants to have um, – you know, seven or eight guys that are in extremely good condition and will roll with that. Well, one of the things that hurts you when that happens is you have one of your best players go down, and they have not won since those Isaiah Joe has gone out. And so they lost by um, 14 uh, at at Florida. So, so those are the games that Florida has coming into this game against Kentucky. Uh, You'll notice not a lot of impressive victories there. No. Uh, uh, a wounded get... Arkansas, Vanderbilt twice, Georgia, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, uh, yeah. South Carolina. Um, you know when you go through their all their SEC wins, they did beat Auburn, uh, and they beat them bad. Beat them by twenty two, which was a sh- sort of a shocking result. But other than that, like every win they have in the league is against the bottom, you know, bottom half of right. the league. So this is an important game for them. You know, if if they're gonna solidify themselves as a tournament team um right. you know they they kind of need i mean they have a and they have this stretch it's kentucky on the road lsu at home tennessee on the road georgia on the road and kentucky at home um so they have a chance to to make some hay at the end of the schedule um so let's let's move on uh, gosh the end of that texas a&m alabama game i don't know if you see that but uh, bama had a lead blew it uh, they pulled within two after a Kyra Lewis three with like 10 seconds left. And then it was 72-68, so a four-point game with three seconds left when Jaden Shackelford for Alabama gets fouled on a three. He goes to the line and misses all three. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they had a nine-point lead early in the second half and blew it. So I, I don't know, Texas A&M's kind of up and down as well. But uh, we'll move on from this, and when we come back, talk about – Mike Stoops to Kentucky, is that what do we think of that? And then uh, UK football offensive line talk as well when the Lockdown Kentucky podcast continues. This is Lockdown Kentucky, your team every day. Okay, we're back here on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast, and we should start with 
Um, a football commitment for Kentucky, Paul Rodriguez. He's an offensive lineman uh, from Mason, Ohio, three-star tackle who committed. Uh, so uh, offensive line, defensive line, those have been a couple of spots that Kentucky's done really well recruiting. And it just continues. Uh, I mean, obviously the offensive line play when, when Benny Snell and Boom Williams were together. And, and it's just, you know, gone all the way through to Lynn Bowden where, you know, Kentucky strung together something like four uh, consecutive seasons with a 1,000-yard rusher, which is just – it's just what Mark Stoops wants. But uh, Brent Rollins of uh, Pro Football Performance, where surely you guys have seen throughout the season that, you know, Pro Football Performance puts out all these – their metrics, their, how they measure different things. They get into it pretty deep. And they put out where guys rank and who their teams are that week and how people performed. So the SEC's highest graded returning offensive lineman, they put out that tweet on Wednesday. Darian Kennard, Kentucky's right tackle, 89.2. He is the highest graded returning offensive lineman in the Southeastern Conference. Georgia has one in second. Um... Trey Smith of uh, Tennessee is third. Landon Young, the left tackle for Kentucky, is fourth. Kentucky's starting center, Drake Jackson, is fifth. Then another guy from Georgia. And then Luke Fortner, Kentucky's right guard, is uh, seventh. So four of UK's starters are in the top seven of highest graded returning offensive linemen. Of course, um, what Lynn Bowden did in Kentucky running the ball has a lot to do with that, I'm sure. But, uh, that, I mean, that speaks uh, to the kind of season that they're thinking about having, the kind of season that uh, Mark Stoops has talked about where this, you know, leading into this upcoming season, uh, the numbers that they have and the experience that they have and the guys coming up reminded him of going into the 10-win season. And you can see why right there. With that kind of experience coming back on the offensive line, uh, you're, you're looking at uh, on top of Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke and A.J. Rose uh, and uh, possibly Travis Tisdale and whatever Michael Drennan does uh, and Terry Wilson at quarterback – Kentucky fans have plenty of reason to be excited. Yeah, I I feel like the um, – I've said a bunch of times, you know, we focused a lot on, like, Josh Allen and Benny Snell and Lynn Bowden. Um, but the fundamental upgrade for Kentucky football has in, been offensive and defensive line. Um yeah, I guess Josh Allen falls into that, although he's more more of an out, outside linebacker, I guess, in that scheme. But um, but the the big boys right in the trenches. I mean, they've yeah. We talked about what they brought in this year, what they had, and what they brought in on the defensive line. But just year after year now, and and the craziest thing about it is, uh, and I was pretty well on this train, you know, a couple years into it. John Schlarman was a guy a lot of people were ready to run out of town you know, two, three years into the Stoops era mm. uh, because they weren't good. They were not. <laughs> that offensive line took some time to build up, um, you know, and it was, I think it was some of it was, you know, the, Neil Brown brought him from Troy and left him here when he left. And, you know, 
um, even though obviously he was an alumni. Um, but I, I just think people were ready to kind of jump off that train. And now, as it turns out, uh, you know, setting aside all the health stuff and the incredible just toughness that John Schlarman has shown, shown getting through that and continuing uh, to coach, like he's a great offensive line coach. I don't think there's any arguing it now. Like they right. recruited really well, but also a lot of development has gone on because not all those guys were were necessarily four and five star recruits. So um, it's been pretty remarkable to me just that that a guy that a, a position group that was so bad that a guy that was not you know I think some fans were getting uh, antsy about. Now it's just you, inarguable. Like you think about Kentucky football. I was thinking about that recently, like what kind of identity they've built here. Um, and it's so funny that when it happened, it was like, you know, Tim Couch was a big part of this. And let's, you know, tap in, even though we're hiring a defensive coach, let's tap into our Mike, Mike mm-hmm. Leach, Hal Mummy, right. Air Raid roots. You know, that's our history. Uh, you know, Tim Couch and everybody involved, I think, very much encouraging Mark Stoops to go go air raid. And now that identity, as it, as they've actually gotten good, it's been built around this identity of, like, we're going to whip your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll punch gonna, you in the mouth, run it down your line throat. Up. Yeah, we're going to run the ball when you know we're running it, even if it's with a wide receiver taking direct snaps. Um which is SEC football. That's it's not, exact, it is SEC football. It's not football. Big 12 football. It's not Pac-12 football. It's yeah. SEC football. And it's just a thing that nobody thought Kentucky could do. You know, they thought they right. had to have a gimmick. Because they exactly. didn't think you could, do, you could do what everybody's doing with less Stoops was players. asked that on his, his first day, his press conference, his opening press conference when he was hired. The question was asked, do you think, you know, to win here, you got to – you got to have a gimmick because you can't be Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and them. And he said, yeah, I think you do have to be creative on offense. Um, but I think he's answering that question at a time when he didn't have the Jimmy and Joes that he wanted to have um, to run the kind of uh, – He also didn't have the cachet to say – no. Uh, look, guys, I'm not doing the air raid. You know, he was <laughs> just that time. He no. was happy. He was happy to get the job as an assistant yeah. coach. Win the but, press conference. But you knew, like almost from day one, you could tell Mark was never comfortable. You know, having that style of an offense, and I don't think he thinks there's anything wrong with it. I think he he realizes it can be super problematic to defend, and he would always talk about that. Uh, but as a court defensive coordinator who wants to keep your defense off the field winging it around and either going three and out quickly or often scoring really quickly is not a recipe to keep your defense fresh. And so you're looking at you need one more starter on the offensive line. You know, Kenneth Horsey, 6'3", 307, probably bigger than that now. Um, That's a guard size kind of guy. But Nasir Watkins is – I think he's played some at guard, uh, more tackle, um, you know, 6'5". But he's – you know, very experienced. They got this uh, Jeremy Flax in this signing class, who is um, uh, a JUCO guy, the uh, number he, one rated JUCO tackle, I think. Yeah, he's at six six three fifteen. Um, they got you know John Young, the the freshman out of Louisville, six seven two eighty five. Uh, so that you know that six seven two eighty five, that may be more uh, possible guard situation we'll see I mean they don't like to play a lot of freshmen if they don't have to um, 
so we'll, we'll see how that all works out. But when you got that four, like, um, you know, with Darian Kennard and Drake Jackson and Landon Young and uh, Luke Fortner coming back, you got to feel pretty good about that. So, uh, and that running back, and just like we said. So now let's move on to Mike Stoops. And, you know, Football Scoop put out on Wednesday uh, that they say, they, sources are telling them that Mike Stoops is very close to joining his brother, Mark, at Kentucky. And uh, they, he's a defensive backs coach by trade. And that he would likely, you know, fill that spot with uh, Steve Klinkscale back there, which is what Dean Hood was doing. So basically, that, that's the, the spot they're looking at. Uh, it was interesting, I thought, also, that at the same time, Charlie Strong, the former Louisville head coach and Texas head coach, was announced as a defensive analyst addition to Nick Saban's staff, which is what Mike Stoops had been doing uh, last season uh, with, with Nick Saban. So uh, you wonder if he created an opening there, if he moved on, if, uh, if, if this was part of it. Uh, don't really know. Uh, but we'll see. Um, well, what are your thoughts on you, if you think this happens or or not? Uh, I don't think it's uh, – I could be wrong, but I don't think it's as close to done as as a football scoop thinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think football scoop is the, the rock-solid uh, information factory that it used to be either. Mm-hmm. Um I think nepotism is a little dicey. Um, I don't know. Right. I, I, I'm not even, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if Mike Stoops, like, is that his number one choice <laughs> to come work for his little brother? Um, yeah. As a guy who's been a head coach and been Mark's boss, who's been a coordinator, you know, at a high, high level national title contending level. Um, yeah, apparently he's interviewed for some defensive coordinator positions, and that's not worked out for him. And well, I mean, his is, defense has got shredded in the Big Twelve. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't think that's a necessarily an indictment of him because I don't. I mean, who are there defenses in the Big Twelve that don't get shredded? Um, yeah, nobody plays great you know, defense. I, in the I Big don't 12. know, but uh, I just I, I don't know. I, some something about it doesn't necessarily all add all the way up for me. Um, I don't think it would be like a huge issue. I, I made the nepotism reference, but I, you know, if he's a position coach for a year or two, uh, you know, an opportunity for the brothers to get back together. I think the familiarity of having a guy you know and trust, you know, and knows you and knows your expectation um, can all be good stuff. Um, I, I just, I feel like, you know, Stoops, I don't know. I don't, I, need, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know, like, is the priority. A teacher uh, is the priority. Somebody just that you know is almost like another head coaching type voice in your ear uh, is the priority to recruit. If if it is at all about recruiting in this position, it would seem to me like Mike wouldn't be the right guy. You know, you right. get a young go getter. Um, so I don't know. I I really have no idea. It's a lot of words to say. I really don't know. But I don't. I don't think it's like. I don't think it's like lock, solid, done deal happening for sure. Um, well, the value would be that you you did lose a former defensive coordinator at an Orange Bowl uh, team in Wake Forest with Dean Hood, and then a former head coach at EKU in Dean Hood, and 
And Mike Stoops is a guy that has that type of experience, that has that head coaching and defensive coordinator experience. Steve Klinkscale, also former defensive coordinator, um, to go with you know Mark Stoops' experience, and now Brad White. Um, so that could be part of it, right? Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is I wonder if Mark has um, kind of used up his card in, in, uh, in this offseason with Vince Merrow. Might have, you know – might have said, "Well, you got Vince. Uh, this nepotism thing. We're, we're gonna we're gonna take this one. This this is gonna be our call here." Um, rather, yeah. Than- the other thing, I mean, that's the other thing I'm interested in is like, what's the salary pool? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, is Mitch giving him any money for anybody else at this point? Like, okay, bud, uh, we paid your coordinators, we paid Vince, yeah, we've paid you, um, you yeah, know, we paid Summerall." Uh, that's it. Right. You're out, you know, we're out, yeah. we're out of big big spending bucks for the assistant coaches. So, yeah. Um, and that may and maybe that's one reason he's been working on Mike cuz Mike's for all I know still getting paid from Oklahoma. I don't either way, it I don't think yeah. I don't think Mike is hard up for money after years as yeah. a head coach and a coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, right. Anyway, I, the 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 random aside from this, the the great disappointment to me is that uh, I know Stoops twice at least tried to talk about talk to Ed Reed about joining the staff. Yeah, who he had coached on that just unbelievable. Uh, I've said a million times, and we'll say again, and people should go look it up and watch them if they haven't. Greatest secondary in the history of college football, maybe the greatest talent level in the history overall on the team in the history of college football in the like two thousand or two thousand one Miami. Mm-hmm. When Mike uh, Mark Stoops was a secondary coach, he had Ed Reed, Sean Taylor, uh, Antrell Roll. Um, <laughs> I mean, they ended yeah. up having like nine or ten draft picks and like multiple Hall of Famer. It was just ridiculous. Uh, but he he tried to get Ed Reed a couple times, and I guess for whatever reason, Ed didn't want to do that. But now Ed Reed has like a some kind of special advisor to the Miami football program or something like that. Ed uh, probably doesn't want to get out there and recruit. He probably doesn't want to live that lifestyle, I would imagine. It's uh, probably true. I would think the recruiting, you could almost set him up in his own home office and just let the recruits come to him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that would have been cool. That would have been cool to have Ed Reed on campus. Oh, yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for this uh, edition of Locked on Kentucky. And tomorrow we will, of course, preview uh, that game against Florida on Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow. Oh, we you know what we didn't talk about, and we'll, we'll do this. I I promise. I will write this down and get Devin to Devin Askew, not Devin Askew, which who had yeah forty three points, um, which was pretty spectacular. But we're already at thirty five minutes, so we can talk about Devin Askew tomorrow. I'll write it down right now. And the winds above bubble. I didn't get a chance to look at. Oh that. yeah, sorry, dear listener. Yes, I am sorry, uh, but uh, Rob who's the one who uh, tweeted at us. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. I'll uh, I'll put it on my list here of things to look into, and uh, we'll discuss that on tomorrow's podcast. So, in the meantime, on Twitter, I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow, guys. Thanks. Locked on Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.